Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. You are listening to KMA Talk Radio, episode number 453, and we are broadcasting live from sunny South Florida. And I'm here with my gang today, the man they call the GOAT himself, Alex Tavella, and sitting sitting in for shameless Paul our regular weekly KMA contributor, our man, the guy who's always got the scoop, William Cooper. Good morning, guys. What's up, buddy? Good doing morning, well, doing well. Thanks for having me today. Um, you know, good always back. good to fill. Yep. We missed you so much last week. We had to have you for a full show. Hey, yeah. man, I, I, I thank you guys very much for what you guys did last week uh, for, for the family here. It was really appreciated. And uh, uh, thank you for the support as well over the past couple of weeks. Absolutely, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Alex, what do you got going on there? You got some uh, new. I art. got Acid Disney in honor of Paul not being here. <laughs> oh, is now, that Acid, well? I mean, I guess Disney's the favorite, right? Because it's spring break, so that's probably the favorite of where he is, right? He didn't. I don't yeah. Know. I don't he said it was a family anymore. obligation. He doesn't. He he keeps yeah. it very vague. This way, so if it is Disney, he could say like, "Oh, I told you, I brought you." You know, it was family, a family obligation. obligation. I go to Disney, but or I didn't say where, right? Or yeah. where. Yeah, for a wedding. But pussy, you know, the wedding excuse is going to run out soon. You get to a certain point where, you know, your friends aren't getting your 20s and 30s I where your friends saw, aren't getting I married. I never saw a guy well. go to more weddings. Right. Well, well, I don't know. Being shame, maybe he is not shameless. Maybe he is shame, you know, he is shame because, yeah, he does try to hide where he goes. Does. He didn't. He didn't tell us. He didn't say it. It's kind of like, um, you know. And remember the last time he did that, he was. He was. It was uncovered that he was at Disney. Well, he can't hide it. Yeah, I think his wife posted something, and that's what gave it away. Yeah. He he posted. First of all, he slightly resembles Verbal Kent. The guy probably is Kaiser Soze. He probably runs a Colombian drug cartel out of Disney. Are we talking about the same Paul? And that's what they said about Verbal Kent, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. If anybody doesn't understand the Verbal Kent reference, we're talking about the, unu- the usual suspects. Every lighter I have is out of Kevin, me. Kevin. I you am the producer now. And you didn't call me? <laughs> I think... I, I I mean, without exaggeration, I think Kevin might contribute more to KMA than Paul. I mean, yeah, it's close. Sadly. It's sadly. close. I was actually looking in, in you know, looking through the stuff. The and there's there's as many Kevin wine commercials as there is of Paul. <laughs> there, that's true. except Pauls are like eight months old and still in there. Like, um, you know, I got to be careful. I don't play the Christmas tree uh, wine commercial. 
Well, at least you got March. a Christmas one every year now from Paul. So maybe right, right. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Until, you know, twenty twenty eight as far as Christmas goes. That's that's hilarious. So I guess uh, La Zona Palooza is in full effect this week. Everybody seems to be in Miami. Oh, uh, Can- Juan Cancel is not there. Has anyone noticed that? You know what? Now that you mention it, Juan Cancel's been quiet. Yes, I was quiet. Say yes, too. he's been quiet. I haven't seen Juan on the party scene much. I might have to reach out to Juan Cancel. Too. Yeah, I mean, he's usually a. Fi- I mean, he, he missed it one year when he was still working with the uh, police force, and he had a, he had a serious. It was a serious emergency, but he is a fixture at Louisiana Palooza. That guy. So, where is Juan? Is the question? Hashtag Where's Juan? That's that's what they did the year he uh, had the police emergency. Everyone was going, "Where's Juan?" And it turns out there was that. But now, I don't know. I don't know if if anyone has any whereabouts of Juan Cancel. Let us know. Yeah, we need an APB on Juan Cancel. I'm going to reach out. Saying, someone's saying he had a, a, a friend passed away. Maybe it, Kevin said. that could explain it. That could explain it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Kevin. But uh, even still, overall, he's been kind of. I haven't seen yeah. him hurt. Yeah. He's had. Usually, any scroll of the Facebook feed will find you Juan Cancel. Yeah, one way yeah. or another. Yeah, but yeah, uh, well, you guys, you guys didn't broadcast him down there this year. We did. No, we're a little understaffed, man. We we really didn't have time to go down there and, and broadcast. But we see that uh, Master Sensei picked up our spot. Um, he broadcasted from down there, which yeah, I nice yesterday I said, did you did you move to Florida and not tell anybody? I mean, I don't think he's been back to Colorado since the Great Smoke. He's been almost content. I think he actually did go back for a short time, but yeah, he said like yeah. a couple, a couple of weeks. But I think originally he had a trip to Honduras planned, right? And he was going to go to Honduras, come back, and then go to uh, um, La Palooza. So, and I think the Honduras thing might have gotten canceled with that. So interesting with with that for sure. We, uh, I, I've gone. I couldn't have could go this year, um, but uh, we, I've actually opted to do the show before the event starts because it's, it, it is kind of uh, chaotic down there to get to corral everyone in. So we, we did a Tuesday night show with, with Hector. You know, it looks, like oh, yeah, all, it looks like they're all having a good time. And I think the goat and I are going to head down to the botanical gardens today to just hang out with the gang and close. Uh, I guess and guy fear guy's supposed to, I think guy's going to be there today. He is. Yeah, he is. You think we go to see Eric? <laughs> yeah he is oh man so so alex what's up with the uh, chess man it's all you seem to be doing lately all your social posts are like chess oriented is that like now a new obsession like a heart it's just taking over my life man it's just uh i mean listen dude what do i do what do what do i do for myself, I don't do anything. I sit cigar shops all day. I work at a cigar shop and then sit at cigar shops. So yeah, ever since the Turkish bath closed, you've been screwed. This is <laughs> you might have just put it together. Maybe this is why I picked up my. I mean, listen, it's not like I haven't always played chess, but it's become a very integral part of my life. I spent a lot of time studying now, but maybe that's what it is. No, maybe no, that's what it is. no signs of them ever opening up again. No huh? signs of life, dude. No wow. signs of life. The bathhouse is over, and there's not another one in Florida. This guy sold me a ten, ten hole, ten hole punch card right before he closed. Hey, so you were getting a deal? It gave you fifty percent off. <laughs> he did. He did. I got suckered. I got. Suckered. Uh, yeah, no, the bathhouse is gone. So you know, chess it is. It's just, it's. I enjoy it. I've uh, been taking it a lot more seriously. I might, you know, I'd like to compete. Maybe I need six months to a year. 
Um, and that's the thing. Chess tournaments aren't as, like, hardcore as people would think, you know, when you're starting out. Obviously, if you're playing for fucking world championship titles, it's different. But it's more almost like a chess gathering than a tournament. A tournament. But, I mean, that's the goal. Yeah. I'm average at best right now. You what? I said say? I'm average at best right now, was what I would consider myself. Well, you're above average. Mm, I'm uh, no, I'm not, dude. I'm average. I'm above I'm average, average of an average player. When you start realizing everything that there is to know, listen, people don't. Chess is as much memorization as it is, you know, thinking ahead. Sure. So um, maybe slightly above average at best. Where were you going? TAA, you said. I did TAA wrapped up this week. Did you hear anything interesting, Coop? Um, you know. Not not much. I mean, the, we knew the companies that were releasing the cigars prior to um, the event, so that wasn't really a, a, a big surprise. Um, I don't think there was any, like I said, any. There's not really a lot of news that comes out of TAA. You know, it's it's a it's a buying event. I think there's a lot of things we've discussed about that being a buying event because it's it's um, you know, that's I think that's what the events really revolves around and the cigars are kind of like a, a throw-in but like like in previous years there's 13 to 14 cigars coming out from the taa and i don't know why they continue to do that because um i could tell like i i made the analogy last year great smoke cigars sold out faster than taa cigars and not and, you know a lot of those taa releases the 500 box releases too they're right around the the um the great smoke release thing so I, I, I still think they uh, they don't get it sometimes. No, they're, they're far from get it. In fact, I'm very I'm extremely disenamored with the TAA and their petty actions, uh, especially this last show. And y'all may be hearing about it soon. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, but, but isn't there an incentive for you, Abe, to go to TAA because you can buy at good discounts? I, I could buy more sitting here in my office than going down to the TAA. Interesting. And in fact, I do buy more than most companies who do go there. Yeah. Now, one one of the guys, um, I don't want to give his name up, a dear friend of ours who, who had a TA cigar said, you know, a retailer came up and ordered one box. Wow. <laughs> That's what I said. I said you got better. You got better time. I, mean, I, I would have given her back the order. Keep. The yeah. That's what I, I want to know. The okay. shipping. The shipping's not worth it. But, yeah, I mean, I think, Coop, I think you were one of the first people I heard say it a year or so ago. I mean, you know, TAA releases have become, like, eh, maybe one or two stars and a bunch of whatevers. It, it, Listen, it's true. Most it's true. There's only been, in my opinion, really two TAA cigars that ever really just. Well, were, Pete, we know Pete's one for Pete sure. Drones, TAA, sold well, went through. And, and, and Pete only did 25% of his normal production. So. Those who are looking for TAA cigars this year, it's going to be way, yeah. way, way scarcer this year. Yeah, Pete actually, um, he returned. He took a year off from the TAA, and uh, he's back this year. But he also announced a PCA exclusive that he's doing, which is yep. basically the TAA is a broadleaf, and the and the PCA one's a Sumatra. So he kind of divided it among those two uh, this year. The TAA has bastardized the whole TA program. The TAA, they have. The TAA has become petty. So, you know, this year, they actually sent out an email to all the manufacturers telling them 
not to sell or deal with any retailer who didn't physically travel to TAA. Wow. You know, I, I just don't understand these. With a spreadsheet list of who didn't attend and who was there. I just don't understand these. And then they're not the only ones, but this like you have to pay to be a part of the club. And then if you want to get the benefits of the club, you also have to come to our little parties. Well, because they make they make money when you book because you got to buy the whole weekend package. Yeah, well, then don't charge me for the damn members. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It becomes a money grab. So, I mean, here's the thing. Not only do they – listen to me. They hounded me because I was really on the fence whether I was going to renew my membership this year. I don't think I'm on the fence for next year. But um, they hounded me, and then at the last minute, I finally sent them their dues. And then – they went around to make sure that every manufacturer wouldn't sell anything to any retailer. Um, but we'll be getting everything. So here's cheers to you, the TAA. Cheers wow. to you, the TAA. I used the other <laughs> finger. I was a little nicer, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Cheers to you, the TAA. Yeah. 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 The, uh, not one, man, not one manufacturer has cared about that email, but I just found it uh, the audacity. Oh, thank you. Morning cough. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing, and I saw a comment from Kevin Shahan about he doesn't know people who collect these cigars. I'll say this, because I do a lot of analytics on my website. The, among the lowest, review, the lowest viewed articles and reviews are TAA cigars. There's not a lot of interest. I, I every year I wonder why I invest some time into this, because I don't see the numbers come back. No. So I I, it, there's it, more, there was more interest in, in beef stick by a, by a wide margin. Over, over in the TA stuff. Because it's become strictly a money grab. Yeah. Get get the retailers to come so we can make money on the resort fees. Uh, let's make as many TA cigars because the TA gets a portion of every TA stick sold. And um, not caring about what it did to have a TA cigar. I mean, they just bastardized it. And, right. I don't think what was, you know, a lot of the criteria was, you know, make a cigar a half inch longer and slap a TAA footband on it. And there's mm-hmm. your, you know, there was nothing special about TAA cigars. Outside of guys like Pete, who did great stuff, yeah. and but that's become few and far in between. Most yeah, Padron, Padron, it was just a size, right? It was just a size that they didn't know. Yeah, it's always just a size with Padron, but it, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think Crown Heads does a nice job at like yeah. making it, and they do something different every year. Lafleur does, but most of the other ones, like Alex, I agree. That's exactly what what these are. I mean, ninety five percent of them are just just to make yeah. A few bucks, and yeah. I think, I mean, it's not just the retailers that are getting tired of it. You know, there was a lawsuit against them a couple of years ago from another retailer because you know the criteria for becoming a TA member, thank you, is not really like a a defined thing. You know, and there's been a lot of blockage that I personally know over the years of you know people who didn't want to let people in because they feel like the TA gave them some kind of strategic advantage in their regional area, and it just it's just never been something that I've been proud to be a member of. Let's put it that way, you know. And um, you know, I, the only reason why I joined the TA, if everybody knows the story, because uh, you know, Sal was my one of my mentors. Sal Fontana was after me for years, and then they used to have a, a golfing tournament called the Connie Cup, because um, Sal was heavily into the TAA. It was kind of that old school organization, and um, you know, I finally ended up joining just for Sal, you know. And then when he passed away, I just I stayed on on board with the TAA, but I think that that whole relationship with me and the TAA is coming to a coming wow. to an end. Wow! So you're going to miss out on having those exclusive cigars. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and, and honestly, it's, it's it's nothing but going down and, and most of the re retailers and manufacturers just drinking for three days. You know what I mean? It's like, you know. They don't make any – there's no policy decision-making that comes out of this. No, no. So, I mean, if I'm willing to work, be here with my family, and still place – as a member who paid his dues, still place orders yeah. and contribute. Why would you send an email trying to shut down retailers from participating? And, and just so you know, I mean, it's, it's been going on since the beginning of time. But, you know, now they're trying to, you know, nail it down. Yeah. Do they own half? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, something might come out in the next couple of weeks. We'll see. Very interesting. Very interesting. Interesting week. Speaking what of, are, what, what, go ahead. What, what are you gonna say, Alex? I would. I know. Did we touch on? Then where's Paul? We don't Every, know. Where's, where's Paul? Where's Juan? Yeah, Nobody. Well, well, I think Juan. They said. I think Juan or something. COVID. Family, yeah, or family thing. So well, it was a question. It wasn't. I wasn't trying to make yeah. fun of him. Now, Paul. If maybe people have some guesses where Paul is, they could put it into the chat. You know. I mean, the old answer anyway. Yeah, the overwhelming odds are he's at Disney or or he's at like you know Orlando, like, some Orlando outskirt of Disney, yeah. and yeah, which some Orlando. Well, wasn't he in Miami last weekend or something? I saw. Was he? I I thought I saw something I on Facebook. Okay, I may have missed that then. He 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 took a picture of the chandelier at the O Spa. I saw that recently. I saw what a like what an aristocrat. What a Karen. <laughs> what a, a Karen. The bulb was out at the O spa. Right. Oh. Which, which first of all, I mean it's unbelievable because oh is an incredible place. I mean it's really right. a great spot. You've been there, Abe. I went for the first time. Uh, was it our anniversary great, or great, something? Yeah, something you and Paul, you know, of course, is concerned over a missing light bulb and a chandelier that's probably on a 30-foot ceiling. Listen, I get that because it drives me nuts when I walk through any one of our locations and light bulbs are out. But, like, I wouldn't post about it. Right. You know, about another business who had a light bulb out. How did he know that light bulb just didn't go out, like, right before and, he and, and even still, that just – look, you, you, you have that because you run retail stores. So it's just automatically you see, like well, – who the fuck even looks at that light bulb or that chandelier all day long as you're walking in your white bathrobe to your next massage or a hot rock <laughs> treatment, you know? That is funny. And, so, then yeah. and, and, and tagged himself there, no less, too. And tagged I mean, himself. <laughs> I would have a list, like, waiting if this guy returns. Like, make sure he gets the extra hot rock and scorch him. Alex, Alex wants to make a pop-up. Your money's no good here every time we have a... Uh, disputable. Uh, You've been this close a couple times. You've been this close to letting me go. Alex, when we have a, a very unruly patron or a, you know a customer who's just being unreasonable, Alex wants to build a pop-up on the site so the next time he comes back at shops and just says, your money's no good here. I mean, I think that's an incredible idea. I think it's great. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Abe's been this close a couple times, but the guy winds up folding and <laughs> Stays alive. I'd like to try to reason with them first. SDS. 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 Yeah. All right. Speaking of interesting guests, our our guest today, I, I don't know, has he been on in a long time? I can't even tell you last time to be on. So I was kind of uh, happy and excited when he uh, agreed to come on the show. Well, I like to catch up with him. I haven't even seen him on a personal level. So uh, let's uh, key up our uh, Meet Your Maker segment. 
I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. Look at that. The man himself. Uh, Dave. His family history starts back to 1920s in tobacco, man. My buddy George Rico, how you doing? Hey, George. How, how you doing? How's everything? Good. Looks like you're playing soccer today. Uh, I'm supporting the the home country. They're we're trying to qualify to, for the World Cup, which is not going to happen anyhow. So I just no. I put it on anyhow. Not going to happen. What time's yeah. the game? Oh, so it's not today. They played the other day. I've just been wearing it here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, right? Yeah, so how you been? Uh, we're just chugging along, George. Wake up, do the same shit, go to bed, wake up, do it again. Yeah, that's that's the case every that, day. That's the case. So what's going on in your world? We we haven't talked to you. You haven't been on in a while, man. I mean, talk to us. What's going on? Yeah, with- no, I mean, you know, overall, things have been great. Uh, you know, in the cigar industry, I think the last two years, it's kind of been an up and down uh situation where we didn't know what was going to happen in 2020 2021 was phenomenal for Gratabano and i think for the industry as a whole and uh we've just been you know just focusing on making cigars uh farming uh extensively um and uh yeah it's just been my focus overall sales have been great support for the brand has been great and we've been able to get out there i started traveling a few weeks ago so it's it's a little different now. It's a different world from when we were in 2019 to 2022. Hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, it is. Did you experience, um, you know, we, we really literally haven't talked since before COVID. Did you experience yeah. what kind of everybody else was going through with COVID with with the high demand and the shortages and the labor? Oh, yeah. Issues? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, overall, I think it was one of those things that was unexpected. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. And then um, the kind of like, we closed for manufacturing for such a long period of time, finally got back on track. And then just the demand was more than we could bear. And we were on back order until almost October of last year in our manufacturing, trying to catch up, uh, which we ended up doing. And this year we're, you know, our, our production is actually above uh, what we expected. So our inventories are climbing, which is phenomenal for us. I know there's definitely some situations there. Demand has uh, sort of slowed down. But uh, in the industry, I mean, everyone's telling me that overall it's kind of it's been a slow first quarter. So I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I think uh, you're going to see that tobacco is going to be one of the things that's going to be missing overall tobacco leaf in the next few months. It's, it's really funny because I hear different stories from from different manufacturers on, on what the situation is. And it could be regional by country by country. Um, did, well, did, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, it all depends who the manufacturer is. I mean, if you're a farmer, uh, you know, vertically integrated uh, manufacturer, you're, you're sitting well. If you're not, um, things are going to be a little rough. Yeah, the guys who are depending on other guys to make their cigars for them and, and, and work their line into their own production schedule, I think, got hurt the worst. Got hurt the worst. Now... A lot of our fans, you know, we, we've uh, dynamically grew and changed over the last few years. A lot of our fans may be unfamiliar with you, your company, your brand. You know, yeah. give us a little history about, you know, how the whole family started in tobacco. Just real quick synopsis to catch some of our fans up who are unfamiliar. 
All right. Well, to the new Granovano fans out there that probably will try the cigar after today, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I'm fourth generation tobacco farmer. Um, we started our factory in Honduras back in 1995, 96. And we started growing tobacco in Nicaragua after coming from Colombia, uh, which is what we uh, predominantly have always done is grown tobacco leaf in Colombia, left in the early 90s. And, you know, magically there was a cigar boom in the U.S. and we were able to bring in export uh, import, actually, I should say, uh, Colombian tobacco started uh, our manufacturing here. And it's been, um, you know, this is actually our 20th year with our Granabano brand. That's wow. kind of one of the things that we're looking forward to. Come again? Congratulations, man. 20 years. I appreciate it. There's actually the 20th anniversary is going to come out of PCA this year. Uh, I'm excited about that because I think any business that's able to survive just in a cigar business, five years, it's, 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 a, it's definitely a, a good thing, so. That five years, five years seems to be the hump. Yeah, and yeah. If you make it to I mean, ten, that means you might you might have started making some money. I think. <laughs> I think I yeah. started making money in my eighteenth year. <laughs> I mean, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, you know, you reinvest, grow the whole process, but overall, you know, it's uh, kind of one of those things that as long as you're focusing on on your mistakes, really, it really comes down to fixing your mistakes. And uh, doing what you're doing well, continuing to get stronger on that. I think that's the approach that we've taken. George, you mentioned Colombia, obviously from Colombia, and, and they do grow Colombian tobacco. Uh, a couple of questions. Do you use Colombian tobacco in some of the blends? Yeah. So we use uh, my Corojo number five has Colombian. Uh, most of, of course, because I mean, being Colombian, we're proud of the tobacco. We use uh, Colombian tobacco in it. Uh, we've been farming. Uh, extensively more the last few years than ever before and we've expanded to uh, start growing uh, Corojo, Habano and Criollo in Colombia. So uh, you know it's kind of interesting that you say that because as sort of uh, the labor shortages in Nicaragua with political situations with the COVID um, it's harder and harder to grow there so we're expanding to other other countries and Colombia is one of the ones that we're expanding on. So it's a yeah Colombian is one of the ones that we use. You know what I find okay, okay. sorry, Coop. You know what I find interesting about that though, Coop? Maybe you could enlighten me too. It's like, you know, in the last six months I've had to work a lot in building the, the, a lot of work on the website for when we opened the warehouse, putting in products, helping the guys catch up. And you don't hear anybody talking about Colombian tobacco. Right. I really? I've never I've never come across where I've had to add the, you know, tobacco used or whatever in a description. <laughs> And Columbia, is that is there a reason for that? Are they just not talking about it, or is it just? Well, you... I think I think probably the reason why Colombian tobacco is not one of the tobaccos that does mention is because of the stigma. But it's kind of like uh, when I came out with my Azteca over 15 years ago, uh, Mexican tobacco. That they told me it was a taboo. That I, I should never even describe that I'm using Mexican tobacco. Now, Mexican tobacco is one of those countries that people uh, seek out, especially for rapper. Rapper, yeah. And I think you're going to find out that, you know, we're going to continue to push the flag for Colombian tobacco. We're expanding. You know, I'm farming about 600 acres this year. Uh, most of it is all cubita, which is uh, the the leaf that's grown there, the one that you probably will see. But you'll, you'll be amazed how much Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduran tobacco uh, cigars have Colombian tobacco on it. But we're expanding to a different segment. We're bringing in the actual growing process of what you find in Nicaragua into uh, South America, which is going to be unique. Now, George, I definitely have seen some maybe some Colombian tobacco, not a lot. But here's what I've not seen probably anything of is a, is a Colombian wrapper. 
Is that something, any reason why it hasn't been done? Is that something maybe you'd look at going down the road with? Well, I mean, really it comes down to demand, right? Uh, If there's no demand for the product, the idea is is that they're not farming it. Uh, Right now, filler, of course, is a lot easier to farm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not that much infrastructure as opposed to um, wrapper and binder. And so there's also not the know-how. That's one of the things that we bring in. Um, of course, we used to farm cubita for filler and binder for machine-made cigars in Colombia. When we came to Central America, we, we understood and learned the process of how the Cubans brought in uh, you know, their, their, their way of farming and curing tobacco, and we learned that as a family. And now we're exporting that. So the ability for us to bring that knowledge now to Colombia is going to change. It's going to be a game changer. And I mean, I think that's going to happen through other regions, other countries, because of the fact that Central America has a lot of pressure right now. Instability in Nicaragua politically. Uh, there's mass migrations uh, to the U.S. to Nicaragua. I mean, to Costa Rica from Nicaraguans leaving. There's just a lot of pressure. Where COVID has really shifted everything. And uh, what you'll find is is that um, there's going to be more people, less people farming greater extenses of land. Um, so it's going to be consolidated in a sense in Central America because it's just and it's going to be more mechanized, um, you know, and that's where I think other regions are going to start coming up. We got a question from one of our listeners. Is Colombian tobacco somehow related to the Amazonian variety cultivated in Brazil? Uh, no, no, this is different. Uh, the one that we have is a seed that was brought over probably about late 1800s and it's a it's a different seed altogether um, it's we we didn't have an indigenous one that I'm aware of if there was one it's not the one that we're using right now it's a totally different one it's kind of like in Mexico you have uh, tabaco negro or I forgot the name of it which is the original but then you have broadleaf that was brought over and farmed and then changed George you mentioned the Azteca and I think I've told mm-hmm. you this before amazing cigar i mean any shot we may see that down the road again because back when you released it you said you just said it i don't think people were ready to accept mexican tobacco and now now it's changed so much over the years now it's now it's the cool thing to have you know to say you're using mexican tobacco um i'm a fan of that cigar so i was just wondering on that we we have and it's kind of one of those cigars that has gone online uh, with our production, um, mm-hmm. because of course, you know, our portfolio has changed, uh, you know, my overall company, uh, portfolio has changed for between our core brands, which is the original brands and our premium brands, but you'll find that, you know, our blue and green, uh, the black Dahlia, La Conquista, everything has really uh, changed. And I, and I sort of have gone in a different direction of, of creating boutique brands and then having our core brand. So the Azteca is one of the core brands that will eventually come out. Uh, you know, my focus was uh, to do a release every two, three years. Uh, with COVID, it has really pushed things behind. Yeah. So we're hoping that uh, Azteca, it's not a country that we're really focused on. Tobacco inventories are harder this year. So I, probably in the next few years, you're going to see mm-hmm. that the Azteca will, will, will come back up. That's great. That was great. Um, Kevin Sheehan wants to know, are there any unique challenges to growing tobacco in Colombia versus any of the other countries? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it really comes down to um, infrastructure is not there. I mean, there is infrastructure for farming, uh, but, you know, there is somewhat a security issue anywhere, um, but not as much as, as you would think compared to 
like Central American countries. So it's not that much any different in, in that regards. It's just probably uh, the awareness of what the processes that you need to do to, you know, the curing barns, uh, the pylones, all that. And that's how we're exporting. We're bringing that over. So it's a little different. Whatever happened to um, GAR? Is that still a company? Is that still part of the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, that's part of my portfolio. GAR is, is still being sold. Um, actually, this year we're going to have, for my birthday on Halloween, we're going to have a release of a new George Rico cigar. Um, so essentially, the last still, George Rico cigar. Do you still have a division that's separate from Grand Habano? Because that's what kind of GAR was. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, it was. It was different overall with... And it was my first attempt of creating kind of more boutique. So it was more of an edgier, younger. I mean, when you think about it, that was almost 15 years ago when Gar almost. 2012? 2012? Oh, Gar was around since 2007. Oh. Um, so, yeah. So that was our first, my first attempt at, of creating. And, you know, I was like 28 years old at that time, trying to create uh, cigars that were a little bit more edgier on my portfolio. So Gar was one of them, um, and then as as we spun things off, we just divided. Uh, we decided to consolidate everything and just split our portfolio. So that was what happened. With so Gar. all the all the portfolio falls under Gran Habano now. Yeah, everything falls under Gran Habano now. Um, Are any of those old lines still around? STK Gar. So STK is everything that's boutique that's part of Gar. Um, and that's what comes out every few years. The Zulu Zulu is still part of the SDK. The Black Dahlia is part of the SDK. Um, the Dahlia, American Puro, uh, the George Rico American Puro that came out a few years back, that's part of SDK. So that's more like the real limited stuff that I make, you know, 300 boxes every every couple of months, that scenario. Then we have our premium portfolio and then our core brand. So if you see our catalog, it's, it's, it's really changed entirely. Do you, George, do you still do you still release the American Puro from time to time? No. So the American Puro, after I closed the factory here in Miami, uh, and I couldn't make an all-American cigar, being manufactured in the U.S., I decided just to. And, you know, that was part of the issues with the FDA and USDA sort of scenario. Yeah. So I decided just to close it up. They, they, there has been attempts on my part to try to bring back the, the American Puro, but it's not – I don't want to do something that's going to fail. And I think uh, it was – for me, it's any project. It has to be fun. And uh, if it's not fun, what's the point of doing it? And, you know, it's all about money, too. It's yeah. a business. But overall, I think that that's part of, you know, if people enjoy the cigar, it's going to be successful on its own. And I don't want to do that. So. It was a great cigar. It was really. Thank like, you. That was fire. It had fire cured. And that was when there was fire cured was a little more of the rage back then. And it was I think it really stood out. It really did. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's funny because everyone thinks that J.C. Newman was the first people to do that. I'm not sure. No, no, no. been around. Um, we got a, another question uh, from one of our listeners, from Allison. Um, wh what are the are there specific tasting notes to Colombian cigar tobacco? Is there something uh, you know? What are the tasting notes? Well, um, well, with what's farmed now, you'll you'll find that it's more aromatic. It's a little bit bitter, depending on how you use it. So it gives a lot more of aroma. Uh, it definitely adds to the blend. But it's not something, you know, it's more of a condiment tobacco as opposed to, you, I would never try to make it the full meal, the full cigar. It's just oh. not a tobacco that definitely uh, would work well. And <laughs> growing up as a kid, um, being around tobacco 
and having the old man smoke just 100% Colombian. I always I remember this the story in my head that I told myself at five that I would never smoke a cigar. Wow. Uh, because it just smells so bad. And then um, it's kind of funny. Now I'm doing this for a living. So. How, how involved is uh, your father still? Uh, so we were, he's pretty involved in the farming process. Um, you know, we meet at the factory. So basically I manage uh, the, the manufacturing aspect of, of the cigar, meaning not the production. And then he manages the day-to-day uh, of how that production is going to be made. And then the farming, how to feed those materials into the factory. Yeah, so we we've we've come a long way, Abe. <laughs> and it, you know, we you know we've both gotten old. You know, I mean, we've been around for a long time. We used yeah, to, yeah. We used to be the young kids on the block. Now we're the uh, farts on the block. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things that it's it's funny how when I go to the uh, the, the trade show and and I can't do that six o'clock in the morning, go to work every day for seven days in a row. Now I'm that I'll go to bed at one o'clock in the morning, guy. You know, so times change, unfortunately. It does. Did, were you, so so what, what was your take? Speaking of the PCA, just curious because I've talked to kind of everybody on What was your take on the PCA show this past? You, you, you went this past uh, year, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how did how did that work out for you as a company? I think it, I think oh, it was good. Format, I mean, overall, I think the support. Was Go ahead, small, I'm sorry. Was a smaller format more helpful for you? I think it's a more realistic format. Um, the reality is, is that the trade show had tried to grow more than it was really uh, than it should have. And I've always voiced it, my opinion that the trade show should have never been that big, uh, even before COVID or before COVID. Um, I always pushed for there should be an East Coast, West Coast show uh, and it should be a smaller format. I know that smoking is an issue, but um, it's just, you know, if retailers are not going to come to the trade show and support it's a huge expense for the manufacturer. And the reality is, is that a lot of manufacturers will be able to give you or anybody, uh, any other retailer the same promo because they need to make their numbers. And going to the trade show is a huge expense, especially in Vegas. So I could see where if you if you don't have the attendance, you, you can't make the sales to cover the expense. It's just a, you're losing money overall as a manufacturer and that huge space, uh, it's just, it looks really bad when you're, it's almost like tumbleweeds and that was what was happening to the show and it's unfortunate but i think now with the way cigars are um i think there's a new interest in cigar we are going through a boom most of it of course is online sales um but there's a lot more smokers and hopefully that would activate people to come back to the trade show so we'll see what happens this year you had a cool booth at the trade show though it was like it was very unique in that you had that lighted backdrop of miami beach Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, the carpet was not a good. It was unfortunately it was a failure. But I'll tell you that you know we try to recreate a, a Miami Beach 1950s theme. So yeah, I appreciate the fact that you like that. Yeah, it was cool. You kind of walked in there, and you know it was like uh, it was almost like a you know if you go into a television studio kind of <laughs> where they yeah, had that background, yeah. and it was like recreating that. And I thought it was I thought I that was a new boost for you because in, in thank in, 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 you. Yet, yeah. It was nice to see someone upscale their booth while many companies were downscaling their booths. <laughs> well, I, you, George, your booth was smaller, but yet I thought it was – Yeah, you always had a nice booth, but it actually had a real charm with that whole look. And I it, appreciate it, 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 yeah. It uh, I mean, up. Yeah. you know, the thing is is that we didn't know what was going to happen, so I went in a, in a smaller footprint. Um, I'm going to continue that footprint this year. 
because I just don't know. I, I don't know what the industry is going to be. I mean, as a, as a manufacturer, I see the benefit of PCA. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize it, but you know, a lot of the monies raised do go to fighting legislation in states. Um, you know, there might be things that you might disagree with, like any organization, but overall, I think being someone that has been in the industry since the early mid nineties and seeing what happened with us with S chip and how it came about and we didn't fight it, uh, originally. And we, we thought four cents. Wait, huh? we did fight S chip. It's just too late in the game. Well, I mean, uh, well, I'm talking about 1997 when the taxes came into place and, and it was a surprise to everyone that they, there was really no cohesiveness at that point in time. S chip was different. We kind of already knew back in 2000 when it came into 2009, but even 1997, we, we just thought, all right, it's a tax. Uh, it's, you know, we have the, the master settlement agreement. It was not a big deal. And not a lot of people care until SCHEP came around. Um, so participating in all these organizations, you might disagree with it. And I kind of heard a little bit about TAA. I'm not a member of TAA. Uh, Was your company ever a member of TAA? I have an issue. I, I've never wanted to join TAA for particular reasons. It's not that I didn't want to. Uh, I do a lot of business with the TAA members, uh, most of them. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it, it is an issue when you go to a trade show and you have someone place one box order. I mean, there isn't a huge expense for a manufacturer. And I know the fact that that particular trade show is all manufacturer sponsored. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure who really enjoys the TAA other than the TAA members. I mean, well, I mean, listen, I, most of the manufacturers I know don't uh, have issues with it. Um, as a retailer, I could care less for it. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Well, I mean, look, get a couple of drinks in me one day and I'll tell you my whole opinion about this. But overall, Dang, I would have, you're I would in a different scenario. You're in a different scenario than, 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 than most retailers and you have done your job. And so you're in a position to be able to... George, I get it, but the TAA, by definition of what it was, is supposed to be about a group of retailers who are doing their job, right? Well, I mean, I have an issue with the amount of re uh, TAA members that are part of TAA uh, to PCA uh, board now that's and how point. that's shaped up. I yeah. mean, if you want to really want to get into that one, I mean, you know, the problem is, is that um, overall, you still want to support the organizations, uh, we are tobacco. There is a, there's always someone plotting against tobacco. Um, Every day. And, and we need to have someone out there to, to help fight for us. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be an issue. You never are going to agree. But I mean, at, at least if we could agree that we need to fight off whoever we need to fight off. That's my approach. I, I would have mailed you a bottle had I known. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i could tell you a lot more but not today <laughs> okay wait you casey know, write a bible what is that, you that yeah you i don't know casey wrote a novel i don't even know if i can yeah, yeah. On the screen. <sighs> how do you get a bigger part of the same pie when a bigger pie is meow 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 uh, i didn't i didn't get the decoder ring for that question <laughs> George, you know, so you mentioned, you know, TAA, but, you know, PCA has been going down the road of exclusive releases, and I don't know what your thoughts are of that, like, coming out with a cigar exclusively for attendees of the PCA trade show. Uh, 
I'll tell you what my approach is to that. I think they're great because if they're really going to do what exactly what Abe's against, uh, what he mentioned earlier, and it's not to insult you, Abe, but the reality is if they're going to be exclusives to the people that show up, then that's great because it's going to help the trade show. But in essence, I'm against it, and I've never kind of wanted to release a, a, a PCA one because it gets lost. I mean, you just get a whole bunch of people going after certain brands, and it's not fair to the smaller guys, um, you know, that are trying to maybe do exclusive. That to, I don't know. The way I see it is, you, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon of making a particular TAA PCA thing, and then at the end of the day, how much are they really putting into these projects? And that's to me the whole thing is making cigars and making them good and, and quality. And it's not January 1st and like, oh, sh you know, what the hell? Are we going to have a, a cigar for PCA? Uh, PCA just send out an email, let's make a cigar. And you know some companies to the consumer. You know some companies cons that. What, what? You know some companies did that. They got that letter. Yeah, I know. So so why do I want to participate in the fact that maybe, hey, Granabano is not the biggest brand out there. I happen to think that I do fairly well, um, but it's not, you know, guys are going to jump on the ones that are probably the mess well known. And then you're missing a few like, and I, and I, I've seen this throughout the years. I mean, when I came out and this is my learning experience and it was just, it was by chance when the American Puro came out, it was a project that I worked on for years um just to get it right and it so happens there was three other releases and it got lost but it's still to this yeah. day people come and tell me like the american pure was the best out of all of them it was <laughs> and and it was a it was a success for me because i was making such limited amounts of it but and because of other issues i stopped making it not because it wasn't selling um but that being the said that being said when you're making cigars for a trade show just to you're doing it all for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, you, you should be doing it because, hey, this is really good. It comes out once a year. It's really limited. And there's a lot of thought put into this. It's not a different blend every year. It's something that's really good. And that's when you should do it. So uh, two things real quick. One is, I, Coop, this might be a good article for you because I'd be interested, right? Because, you know, when we order a new product, we always request copies. So we have copy being made that was done. I, I'm curious how many TA cigars sold at the trade show last year that still haven't made it to market. Yeah. I think I, I, think I know at least two or three. I, I have we, to go back and look at it again. Yeah, yeah. I think there was at least two or three. Well, we have TA, uh, PCA, I'm sorry, PCA. Sorry, yeah, PCA. I know what you meant, yep. We have two or three PCA cigars, and now we're coming up on the PCA, the next PCA show, and there's still no signs of them hitting the market. Um, and then, George, you weren't offending me. You're actually agreeing with exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. To some degree, yeah. When when you flood it and there's no care in taking into it, like here's a perfect example, right? So we do the Great Smoke, and in the digital experience last year, we made the decision for the first time ever to create some TGS cigars. Now, we have 40 companies. Now, if I allowed 30 people to make a TGS cigar, do you think that would ruin it? Yeah. Yeah. So we to some degree, I, I do. I do. I mean, it's going to ruin it because there's no specialty how much attention is being put into a project like that? Uh, look, I get it. Uh, I agree with some of it. I disagree with some of it. But uh, I just see a lot of cigars go into market that, you know, whatever. I smoke them and I blend them and I think they're crap. And then they're a blend that I tried that didn't work out. And that's the way my approach is to it. 
and I see a lot of those cigars making it to market. I don't want to insult anyone, but uh, what makes a great cigar is what we're, the thought that goes behind it and, and the final product. And, you know, I think the, I think sometimes the consumers buy certain things. There's a lot of great cigar from small manufacturers, just like there's great cigars from big manufacturers. Sure. Um, and sometimes I guess it's just brand recognition. Um, and an educated consumer will find those and they'll make the right decision. You just don't have to go with, you know, basically glitters. George, I loved how you've done the limiteds, and I'm glad you said that, right? Because I'm not just saying this because you're on, but your limiteds have been very conceptual. It seems like these are planned projects. I know you've talked about the 20-year, and that's been in the works for a while. But, you know, the, the criticism I've had of limiteds is that, like, to, it's almost like checking a box. Hey, let's le- release a limited. We have something in the factory. That's been my yeah. criticism, and we're losing a lot of, like, what you've been doing. And, and there are other companies that do it, too, where... You, you plan out the concept, like I'm smoking the, the blue and green. It's a limited cigar, but it, I just know there was a lot of thought put into to that project. Yeah. And it, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think with manufacturers and, and, and where I get upset about it sometimes is the fact that the, there's a checkbox, you know, it's kind of yeah. like a, it's a cabinet selection, limitado, and uh, box press it if it's not box press, and all these other things. And then, you know, Fine. I mean, you know, I guess if you could put new rims on an old beat up car, it's just new. <laughs> what, what an analogy. What an analogy. So, and I don't mean to insult anyone, by the way. Listen, we, there's no insulting here. We're grown no. men having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no insulting. I mean, and, and look, let, let's face it. I mean, this industry, everybody kind of knows there are people who, who have probably done what we've talked about, and you know, and and I think, I think at the end of the day, the consumers see the light. You can't do stuff like that forever and, and just not get watered down. You know, we're we're we we like to work hard on our projects. Like you know, we already have the TGS cigars lined up for 2023. We have two lined up for 2024. You know, um, and, and we we involved. We want to try the blends. We have made choices. In fact, I think. The original, the original first release of the Red Meat Lovers Club that we did with Steve Saka, he, he basically told everybody that wasn't my favorite one out of the the four that four blends that he had sent us to try. So we work, and I think the people that put that effort in, like you do, becomes transparent at the end of the day to the end consumer. I don't think eventually the curtain gets pulled back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's evident based on my brand. I mean, you don't see me do a lot of marketing. I'm not on social media. I know we've had this discussion, uh, you and I. You're not on social media at all, which you know. Always- well, yeah, you know, I'm, I just realized that you know what? Let let my product do the talking for me. I'll be honest, Abe. I mean, look, I make five million cigars a year. I don't care to make six or five point five. I farm what I can, just to make those five million cigars. Everything else is basically put into inventory to make cigars. And you know what? 20 years later, my Corona number five, I'm still making it. Uh, you know, I, it, that's to be said of, God, 20 years, I've seen so many brands come and go. And it's not, it's just, you know what? Let my work do the talking at the end of the day. And if you want to follow my brand and, and, and follow me, that's great. But I'm, I just don't care to be a celebrity. Uh, I make cigars for a living. And that's my approach to it. Uh, you don't need to know what I ate last night. I, I, I'll tell you what I, you know, you could look at what tobaccos I'm using and I'll bring you in there, but I don't need to, uh, I, you know, thank you for asking for my autograph, but I just don't need it. 
Speaking of Corojo number five, I'm going to you get that upload, Alex. Yes. See, speaking of Corojo number five, I'm going to share something with others that probably they don't know, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that you still hold the world record for the world's largest cigar. Yep. I do. There well, it is. Well, I mean, I remember you know, that. it was, it was there it is. in diameter uh, because in length, I think there was the Cubans beat me. God damn it. Really? Uh, but overall, this was a cigar that was uh, 1,941 ring gauge. If you could get that. How? Okay. So I, I just, before we go to break, I just got to talk about this cigar because you, you actually wheeled this to the trade show. I remember the yep, year. I remember. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how long was the cigar? Uh, 19 and a half feet because I was trying to put it into a 20 foot container. <laughs> <laughs> how much did it weigh? Uh, I think it weighed the cigar in its own weighed, uh, I gotta tell you, I think it was weighed like about 4,000 pounds. That's insane. Yeah. It took 30,000 leaves. Uh, the best joke out of the whole thing. And we, I mean, we all, we actually always told people if we only pay 40 cents in taxes to bring that cigar in. That's great. That was a cap. That was, that was the, that was the joke. Was anybody there when it came across customs? Were they like, "What the hell"? I, I just you know what? I know. I mean, I I, I just through. had it delivered, so I didn't think it would be. I, I, at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. I just brought it in because I thought it would be fun to make it with my dad. We we put it together, but we didn't really. We didn't. We weren't even planning to bring it to the trade show. We just brought it in to be. We thought we just tried doing it for fun. Once again, it's always just for fun, right? Please, please, please tell me that cigar still exists somewhere. So last, I sold that cigar about 10 years ago. You sold it? I sold it, yeah. To who? Who bought it? Wait, uh, are, you, are you waving at me or you want to ask? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Coop, you no, probably no, know I'm the like... story more than I do. I just know it ended up somewhere in Africa. Up, Coop, you don't got to raise your hand. This ain't a classroom. No, no, that, that was uh, the missus. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I, I didn't realize I was still on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's, what happened with this cigar? Because that thing was epic. Anybody? Anybody got? I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. I I, I know that George. So I remember when George was on our show. He he said he sold it. I don't remember where it went though. I know he got sent to Africa. That's all I know. Okay, yeah, Some that was private it. jet or plane, cargo plane got sent. I don't know. Someone's birthday. I, I don't know what happened. Can, can you can you share how much you sold it for? Well, let's just say that the overall retail price of that cigar when it first came out was two hundred forty thousand. What? I'm not saying that's what I made because there was some other people involved in that deal, which is funny. That cigar sat in my warehouse for like three, four years. And um, it it sold close to that, let's just say. If anything, that would be considered the most expensive cigar ever sold. One cigar, if that's a record, I definitely, if you consider one cigar, it was the most expensive cigar ever sold in my opinion. One cigar. Oh, wow. It has to be. Yeah, let's just say it had six figures on it. Wow. I got yeah. a picture. I got a picture with me and Brandy in front of that cigar somewhere. I got Do you really? It, well, it, it was back when there was we didn't have digital shit yet. So it's like a real picture. Yeah, I know. I have a picture of go sitting on it. Like uh you know remember that like the guy in the bomb from that movie? I just got a picture of me like that, but I I can never find it. So I, I gotta find it. Nice. It's Sweet. somewhere. What, how yeah. did that get you? I mean, man, shipping at the Vegas. So it came into Miami and then you had to ship it to Vegas and back? You trucked it. Oh. I trucked it. I, I actually personally trucked it from wow. Vegas 
to Miami. I think we stopped at Corona, did an event at Corona, and then brought it back down to Miami. And then it sat in my humidor for a long time. And I actually felt a furniture around it uh, with wheels. So this thing looked like a like a submarine moved around. It was pretty pretty interesting. Did the did the wrapper ever crack on you? Go in there with glue? Yeah, yeah, it did. Because uh, it was it was a big it was a big cigar. So we would like fix it with putting more wrappers. I mean, it was wow. It had like, a lot of cigars like, in there. Like a lot of wrapper. Like spackle, spackle. Yeah, cigar. technically a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got more with George Rico in hour number two coming up after the break. We got uh, Name That Jam by Avo Cigars. We got a new rendition of Tale of the Tape, season four, uh, Mascots. Uh, our man Scoop, a Coop, will be doing the Scoop a Coop. And our new newest segment is Would You Rather with George Rico. All more after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Keep it lit. The H. Upman 1844 Classic is a medium-bodied cigar with wonderful flavor notes of toasted almonds, cocoa, coffee, and just a hint of spice. Featuring an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, you get wonderful aroma notes of sweet coffee and chocolate. Available in a Corona, Robusto, Toro, and Churchill, this is a great time to experience the nuances of nature with the H. Upman 1844 Classic, a shade above others. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Where are we again? We are deep in the Argentina Colqueque Desert Valley. It is so beautiful. It is. It's hard to believe that we're at an elevation of 8,000 feet. What's down there? That's the Mayoko River. It features a few acres of dark Mulbet grapes. Wow. Wow is right. From those few acres, only 9,000 bottles of this amazing Malbec wine are made. How can people get it? They can go to kmawines.com and pick up a three-wine sampler that includes this Malbec for just $69 and 50% off shipping. That is awesome. We should head back down so we can order some right away. I'm not getting any reception. Sounds good to me. I'll race you back. All right, well, we're back and nobody else is ready, so here I am. And here's Abe. Way to pay attention. You, you, I'm still adjusting myself because it used to be like a five minute commercial. That's why. Yeah, now it's, you know, now I can't even dart to the bathroom anymore. I had I had an old friend come in and his daughter had cheerleading practice. So he was in my office and hanging out until the break and we were just talking. And I'm like, oh, we got plenty of time. I'm I'm still forgetting there's no great smoke commercial, there's no advent calendar commercial. That was the good old days when we had long breaks. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't even see which rerun that we had. <laughs> so yeah, I cut back really quick. I'll just on the ball, man. He, he had me come on. Well done, sir. See, that's what a producer does, Paul. Oh, I enjoyed the wrong button. Go back to Disney. <laughs> uh, the uh, we lost George there. It looks like disconnect. He's gone, and that's disconnect? that. Disconnect. Yeah, I do remember that cigar, though, Abe, at the trade show. He's back. There he is. Yeah. Hey guys, I can't. You guys sound really. Distorted. Mm. Mm. That's your side. 
you want to try it without the headphones? Do I leave and come back? Someone nod yes. You could try it, yeah. Take out that. See, see if that sounds better. Does that sound better? Can Any you better? Hear? Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Let's look now. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh, right. And he's gone, and that's that. And there's nothing we could do. Hey, he'll pop back. Yeah, he'll get here. Too early so, for Mardi Gras commercials, Tom. It is too early for Mardi Gras commercials. Give give me like a couple of weeks before we, you know, start pounding out commercials. One of our graphic designers just got back from Triple Bypass. <laughs> halfway back. He's he's working yeah, from home. Back, which is, yeah. You know, shout out to Carlos, but he's actually been good working from home, which is a tough transition. Oh, yeah. Well, especially right, when see. you're recovering and going through uh, physical therapy as well. Absolutely. Any How better? Yeah. Sound better? Yeah, great. Sound it sounds phenomenal. It sounded like in slow motion. I, was really like, I thought it was the voices in my head. <laughs> <laughs> the medication is right now. <laughs> All right, my brother. We're going to start the top of this hour with a segment sponsored by Avo Cigars. We're going to test your musical knowledge and see if you could name that jam. <laughs> We're going to play a little segment of a song. It's about three seconds, kind of like the old Name That Tune. And we're going to see if you can name what the song is. So, Alex, go ahead and cue it up. Oh, this is a good one because I don't know this one in advance. And, and I know the song, but I, I can't oh, This is a tough one. It's one of my favorite jams. Want me to go again? Do we need to go yeah. again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more time. I don't know. I don't know either. You know, Coop? I like it. I, don't, I, I am oh, stumped you know, on this one. This one got me stumped. I like it this way. All yeah. right. Let's, let's, George Rico, you could not name that jam. Let's see who the song was. <laughs> I was in high school when that song came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely was. I never remember that. The name I of that. definitely was. That, that, that came out in the 80, late 80s. No, I don't think so. I'm telling you. 92? Nope. 80s. No, I don't think so. Oh, 88. You're right. Good wow. job. Late 80s, man. I remember when it came out. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. I didn't know that. That was a tough one. Uh, he picked a very obscure part of the song, but I knew that beat from somewhere, man. I was like, yeah. Oh. I, I knew I, it's more frustrating when you know you know the song and you can't pick it out. It was really funny. Like last night, we were watching a movie. You ever, you ever watch a movie? Oh, by the way, watch The House of Gucci last night. Good film. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. First off, 
I didn't know that story. Did, did was everyone aware of that story? No, I had no idea how messed up that family was. But you want to talk about some performances in that movie? I mean, Jared Leto stole the show. Oh, man. He yeah. was awesome. He was awesome. They were all good. No one had a bad performance. But I mean, if I if I didn't know that Jared Leto was playing that guy, I would have, his eyes give it away. He's got those eyes, but man, they made him look incredible. Holy cow. But yeah, so you hear a song start, but you think it's another song because the opening beat's similar. So that happened to me last night and, and I couldn't figure out what song it was because I was like hearing pieces of it in my head because I was hearing the other song and it was confusing me. I had to mute the TV and sing it through until I figured out what it was. But yeah, that was frustrating. I like that. That was a good choice. See, that's the key. I found the key to name that jam. Because if, if you play it, you can get a popular song. But if you play it dead at the intro, most people are going to get it. Right. But you put it, it's that yeah. middle riff yeah. that, that'll throw you off a little bit. No, that was good. Sorry, George, but you could not name that jam. Sorry. It's all right. It happens. So, George, what's going on? What's going on now for this year? Any cool projects, plans? I imagine yeah. you going. I imagine you going to the PCA and not doing a PCA cigar. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are we are going to showcase the twentieth anniversary, and I am working with a big company out of Dominican to make the first George Rico in ten years. So, there's going to be a new George Rico cigar coming out, similar to. Not similar to, but, you know, resurrection of the American Puro. It's not going to be an American Puro, um, but the brand as a whole. is. So we're going to do that for my birthday. I'm only going to do about 3,000 boxes. I think Coop, that's you know, October. That's in October. I think, Coop, you know who's going to be the manufacturer. You, We talked about it last year, so that's finally coming through. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then our 20th anniversary cigars, uh, uh, we started making it last year. It's a pretty interesting blend. Uh, great cigar with a medium body, rich uh, flavor, just a lot of depth, a lot of flavor into the cigar. So that's going to be at the uh, PCA. You're going to be able to see it, and then it's going to be released uh, after PCA. Some many, some retailers might get it before PCA. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's only three thousand boxes, uh, one thousand of each size, just three sizes. I'm focusing on robusto, toro, six by sixty in both projects. So very simple. Very cool. Yeah. George, in a, in a little bit of uh, six degrees of separation, you're a fairly regular in my old neighborhood at the Twin Shop. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, it's funny. Anthony and I were became friends about 15 or over 15 years ago. And I started going into the shop. We just uh, I kept going back, going back. And then, you know, I just we just became really good friends. I stay at his house and it's just a, it's an interesting shop. He has, that person, he has that personality. Yeah, and, and we've we've become really good friends ever since. So you know, we he started carrying my product, you know, and you know, just visiting him. So and then I I love South Philly. I mean, I think South Philly has the best character out of a lot of cities. In Absolutely, um, it's changing a lot. I've seen it from when it was originally uh, right. just one demographic, and now it's and then I seen the change. But you know, overall, I like how they've been able to maintain that that. Old vibe, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. The old timers have almost become the outsiders of the neighborhood. And unfortunately, points. yeah, yeah. But but that's a unique smoke shop. Um, I would just say Uber it 
wherever you're staying is yeah. hard to park there. Uh, Unless uh, Charlie's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? When I go there, I just leave the car outside. He has one of the guys come and move the car. I never knew. I never did. Well, the one time I was there, that didn't happen. <laughs> I just leave it in the corner there in front of the, 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 in front the, of the fire. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely uh, put your big boy pants on if you're going to go in there is what I'll tell you. Yeah, you know, it's have been, I think if, if you're gonna go skin, there, it's not for you. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I think if you should, if you're gonna go there, you gotta have the personality just to be yep. able to dish it and take it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good. Nice. You know, George, you're, we were just talking about the trade show. Um, you know, and we we've been talking about a lot about the small batch releases. Are there any other small batch releases that maybe uh, you know you'll be producing for this year? Yeah, so um, in about a month and a half, we have a brand called the Persian King. That's a brand that I've been making for close to 18 years. Their new Type Mod 60 is going to come out. Um, so anyone that carries or has smoked the, the Persian King will be able to find the Persian Queen just released uh, uh, this month. And then we have the Type Mod 60, which is going to be released in about a month and a half. And that's an interesting cigar because you could smoke that cigar on either end. And it's a totally different blend depending on where you started. So look for that cigar. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So is it, is it double capped or is it just it's double it... capped? It's a, it's a, it, it pretty much resembles a torpedo, like a real true torpedo. Uh -huh. And so you get the torpedo finish at one end or you get the rounded shape. So you could smoke it on either end. Uh, two different blends. Um that transition so you could start off with the end of it on one end or you could begin with the other end you know and finish off with the other so it's an interesting concept how'd you come up with that concept um something i wanted to do for years but i just never had the opportunity because of uh you know all these different projects and then at the end of the day i don't want to give attention to you know so i start one thing i'll move on and so what ended up happening, I came back to that project after like 10 years. So I wanted to do it. So. so I got a question that brings it up to mind. If you have two different blends that transition, mm -hmm. is it a long filler cigar? Yeah, it's a long filler cigar. Um, the, the thing about it is, is that the way you place the components, um, you're, you're able to change it entirely. I mean, we're not breaking the leaves. It's, there is a small part of it that, that helps it change. And we're adding a little bit of something on one end to the other. But overall, the long, the, the whole cigar is long leaf. Really? Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to have to see one of these. Sure. Is there any challenges with the double cap, with sometimes with moisture and stuff? I've heard different things, different stories about yeah, there is. the double there, cap stuff. There is. I mean, my biggest fear right now is that, um, you know, if you're going to smoke the cigar as a torpedo, cut it. But if you're going to smoke it as the round, well, some people call it parejo. I never like that. But the round cap, just uh, use the plug. Uh, and the reason for that is that as you finish the cigar, there could be, uh, if you overcut it, you could unwind it on one end. Right. So smoking it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, do the, what's it called? The plug on one end, cutter on the other. Yeah. What's that cigar called again? It's that way. Come again? What's that cigar called? I want to. Oh, it's Persian King Type Mod Sixty. Type so, Mod Sixty. See, so it's it's just basically Type Modified Sixty Ring Gauge cigar. That's all it is. Oh, it's a sixty ring gauge. Is, yeah. is that the only one that you do that way? 
Yeah, it's just yeah. one you side. Need extra, you need the extra ring gauge to incorporate? Is that what it's Yeah, why? yeah. That's the reason why. I mean, N60s are, are a common regular cigar. Uh, now it's more of a traditional shape, but it allowed me to be able to do that. I could do it on a smaller format, but it, it, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to. I tried it. And I'll be forcing the rollers to work a little harder. Production would have been more delayed. So I, I went with the 60 ring gauge. That was it. Is the Corojo number five still your number one selling skew? Yes. I think at one time we ordered two pallets of that from you. You did. You did. And um, Pallets. You know, the thing about that cigar is that um, for me, it's all about consistency. And when you're focusing on the production of this year to the cigar tastes the same next year and 20 years later, it's 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 to our focus of farming the right materials in order to be able to recreate the same blend. And I think that cigar actually with in the last three, four years has gotten even better. Um, I know a lot of people that smoke the cigar maybe started out with that cigar. But if you go back to it now, we really focus on a different fertilization process. A little bit of a different curing process and it actually helped us to get uh thicker leaves for the filler which actually strengthened the cigar a little bit more you you, know, you we were talking about 60 and george you were one of the companies i think that were ahead of the curve as far as the 60 ring gauge i mean you you were starting to make these things early yeah um and uh you know thoughts on that how how that's all gone over the years obviously it's, it worked out well for you but uh you know a big ring gauge is here to stay yeah yeah i mean i think you see it with with i mean we've even changed the way cubans make cigars i mean i think i brought that up before i think we spoke about it but yeah i mean even the cubans their biggest ring gauge was a 50 for like ever now they're making 54s with their signals or whatever the vehicle so we as an industry in the u.s have changed our the big ring gauge uh profile i mean i think it's a little bit excessive when you get like to like the, i i make a 70. i've been making a 70 for over like 15 years and a 66 ring gauge but you know it was kind of more of a novelty at that point in time although we sold the numbers but now it's become like the norm but i think it's a, like an arms race where like the biggest is going to get more recognition i think at that point it just loses this whole yeah thing you know it's just it's a gimmick at one point in my opinion that's all I know they sell well, so it's a little different. I'm, yeah, I'm no, still I'm, of the opinion that it's kind of plateaued. The, the well, we, we, we've had this discussion that we don't know if it's because so maybe you can explain it. I don't know if we discussed it with you, Coop. I know Alex and I have had this discussion, right? So, you know, we used to have 60 ring gauge cigars that flew out of our store, like couldn't keep them on the shelf, back stock, back ordered a lot. And we're not experiencing that with any one skew anymore. And I don't know if the demand on 60s plateaued or leveled out, or they're just 50 times more companies that are making 60 ring gauge cigars. So that demand is just getting spread over many other 60 ring gauge cigars. I'm, so I'm not really sure which one it is. I think you're answering your question because I think it is when more people uh, introduce more 60s, it kind of spread the pie around. I think the volume of 60s is still pretty high. Um, it's become a normal standard size. But I really think that overall, um, you know, when you get to other big ring, big ring gauges, I think it's more of a value for some people. Um, so it's a little different. But 60 ring gauges, I think, you know, it's kind of hit and miss depending on who you smoke and what you try. Um, because not all blends are made for 60s. You can make a blend that's really good for a 50 or 54. 
and then they push it to a 60 and i think that's where it falls short with some of these manufacturers that they think their their particular blend with the materials that they're using the leaves don't really carry over in that same flavor profile because you have you have more air you have more materials the balance of the leaves is kind of getting uh, thrown off the wrapper now doesn't influence as much the binder the same so really when it comes down to it depends on the blend that's what i would tell if i was a consumer go and buy a cigar that's maybe heavier that's richer because it will carry over to a 60 as opposed to uh you know a mild cigar in a 60 it just doesn't work i think i think many manufacturers just pop in a 60 because they want a piece of that market without even ever considering how the blend is going to be when it when it, at that ring gauge yeah yeah i mean i i think it goes to what i was telling you earlier I, I, I think a lot of people could, don't you could pretty much nail that done anybody who popped in a 60 ring gauge it didn't have it in their line originally yeah i'll sure. bet you 90 percent of those people are guilty of that no <laughs> yeah the uh i have the same argument with lanceros i mean that's why i, I hear people get old gaga over a lancero and same I'm, way in I'm, reverse actually good it's point the same thing. and look there's some really good lanceros but there are some lanceros that that's blends that should never have been made into a lancero either the bet if you really look at it historically i mean now you got me thinking about it all the lanceros i've really really loved are ones that were released in lancero size right blended for the lancero exactly it wasn't right. a spin-off size of another blend or an add-on size or if i look at even historically consumer-wise what has been you know, talk about the most is typically cigars that were made as a Lancero release. Yep. Which I never really thought of it, but George is right. Yeah. I mean, Azul is a good example of that. I mean, the Azul Azulas were Lancero's blended. You know, it's kind of funny. Well, Zulu Zulu Lancero was released in Azul Azul, and that was a cigar that I walked around for, I don't know, since the late 90s, giving away that blend um as a gift that was like my trade like my personal cigar and then became a blend but it was a it was a lancero but i think a lot of people make lanceros just a lot of people plug in a lot of stuff in like uh like ape said just to be able to be competitive in the market i just don't think that they they really think it through of it's not a love for manufacturing cigars or making cigars a love for how do i market my cigars and it's a totally different approach either you love what you do and you're passionate about what you do and it transfers over into your product or you just look at it as dollars and cents. And then if you're doing that, you know, I guess that's fine. Do you feel as a company that you market your cigars or do you feel like maybe that's not really an area that you guys excel in? I think that's an area that I don't excel in. Okay. Do you not excel by choice? Yes. That's a reality. That's what I told you earlier. Yeah, some people don't want to. And that's not what they want to do. They want to make the cigars and wherever it goes, it goes. And that's probably why you're happy making five million and not making it six or five and a half or seven and a half because that would require some marketing. Well, I mean, look, overall, we try to market, but there's a threshold that I think a manufacturer should meet in order for you to be able to market and and there's a threshold that that for a company to go to the next level if you really want to do that but i think there's there's a give and take and when you get to a certain level um there my biggest fear is that we go away from quality and that's been my my biggest uh focus is quality consistency of the blends and i if i could continue to make the same blend same cigar for 20 years 
And as the cigar progresses and it grows, then my war chest will increase for me to be able to do that. But I can, as a smaller company, medium-sized company, um, kind of put those resources because I'd rather put them into the materials. But it's not a lot of resources, George. I mean, you know, George and I have been friends. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I know. I know George and I have been friends for a long time. Yeah. George and I have been friends for a long time. We've had lunches and meals together. We've done business on and off together throughout the years because yeah. George is the kind of the kind of guy I, I want to do business with. But here's a perfect example. Look at Kevin's comment. You know, I've never heard of Grand Abano until this morning. You know, yeah. it, you know, our, our when we got in this business till today, it's changed so much. And it's not that back in the day, George, if you wanted to market or communicate, you had to drop twenty grand in a, for a fishing auto ad. That was your choice. Yeah. Or whatever other rinky-dink magazines were regional at the time, you know, uh, I forgot what they were called, but there was a couple of them, you know. That, that was your only way of communication, really, you know. It, it's a tobacco business. It's not like we have a lot of outlets. But it's become so easy to interact and and, and, and educate consumers these days. Um, even doing a show like this where I'm, I'm going to venture to say probably 20% of our viewers are listening to you and hearing about your company for the first time. Sure. Now, it, it wasn't a lot of work. So, you know, I, I just, as a friend, and you and I have talk, talked like many times, I just really think it doesn't, it, it, we're in an era where it doesn't cost a fortune and it doesn't take a lot to really just be able to connect with consumers these days. We're, we're fortunate. And and the guys who have really embraced that, I think, have 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 really made relationships and bonds that just wasn't possible 10 years ago. I, I think to a point you're right. I mean, you know, it's probably my lack of really understanding the new formats and new places where advertised, but at the same time, it's kind of probably, I would have to leave it to someone else because my whole focus is on the manufacturing side, the distribution side. So maybe that's where I lack off and where I should uh, probably bring in someone else that could market it for us. When it comes down to the public, you know, like Facebook and things of that nature. You and I got to do a lunch again soon. All right, let's do that. I'm, I'm going to. I'm always re open to seeing I'm gonna, I love I'm gonna, you. I'm going to help you out a little bit. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I think. Because it's not, I mean, people don't realize. Look, I, I, I had to talk with, I mean, two other guys I love in this industry, um, Alec and Bradley Rubin. You know, we've had many talks in my office in the last three or four years. And um, especially Bradley, he, he grew up one time just pick my brain about it and they've come such a long way it doesn't take as much time as you think because if you think of all the time you sit on a toilet or at a red light or other <laughs> ask alex i don't waste a minute you know because there's so many just minutes we're, we're in a lobby at a doctor's office or whatever you know all those minutes get used up in a day it doesn't take a lot it really really doesn't and you're you, you're definitely a character and you guy who've been in the industry a long time I really think you're missing out on an opportunity to really connect with the consumer base. You know, look at look at this. The standards, the standards you talk about and how you care about the blends and whatever, you know, um, they, they need to learn that. And I think that's why a guy like Steve Saka has been so successful because we can't get him to shut the fuck up. Right. I mean, <laughs> he just, you know, he, he'll write a, a single post of his could be like a, a chapter in a book. But it's that communication. And, 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 and I'm just telling you that. The ability to really connect with your consumer base, we're in a blessed era. I mean, it has its downfalls. You know, I made a strategic decision, I think it was, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago. I just don't, I don't engage in anything that's not positive. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. tried to start a national hashtag, post positive, you know, trending. 
Yeah, po- hashtag post positive. I tried to. I just stopped. I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I just stop and I just try to do nothing but post positive stuff when I can. And um, it's been a, it's been a much better experience for me. Yeah, I think for me, I think that's probably one of the issues, and you're touching on it well because I mean, I'm I'm all about good vibes, and you know, really not carrying over and. And there's a lot of keyboard commandos out there that I just really don't care to, you know, and any negativity on that end, you know, it's, if we're talking about, like you said, positive, good things, I don't have an issue at all. It's just, you know, there's a lot of people that probably aren't focused on that. They just want to be able to retaliate on any comment. And then, you know, it's just. I, I, are you still on Facebook in any fashion? I just took it down the other day, uh, um, but I am I am on Facebook. I just took it down the other day because I just didn't want to deal with it. I, was, I silenced I was, it for a little bit. That's all. I was going to tell you because let me tell you something. Um, I was going to tell you to join our socialite group. You know, mm. just, just join it because since you and I have last talked, my company has changed dramatically. I mean, yeah. like dramatically in two and a half years, and how we've changed and how we communicate, and embrace. But if if you we have a private face group. Facebook group called Smoking Social. Mm. And um, if you put your thing back up, join it. And All right. you could just watch. Watch the, the culture and the community that we've developed in there. And and that's the kind of stuff that you that really, if you're using social media right, man, it's a beautiful thing. And I, and I think you need to connect with people in that fashion. But that's enough advice. Because, um, you know, George is a good friend. I mean, like, we've done a lot of business over the years. and But like our reach has has changed, right? So you know, the years I was dealing with Georgia was really just mostly local, you know. And sometimes it did great, and the trend, sometimes the trend goes off. But our reach is now a lot different. Our audience is a lot, lot different than it was. So yeah, we'll uh, after the show we'll schedule a lunch. We'll get together. Yeah, let's get together. We're due. We're due. All right. Good. Good. All right, Coop. Are you ready to do what you uh, you do every week so well on KMA Talk Radio? Yes, sir. All right. Let's- Hey, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Cut my tag. Wait, wait I, 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 was, I jumped the gun. I was like a half a second. I was so concerned I, with being ready as opposed to right, Paul who's never ready. To- I usually queued up with, let's see what the scoop with Coop is. I, I jumped the gun by like a half yeah. It's all right. Doing a great job as always. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's the scoop with Coop this week? All right. So we'll start off. We start off with the TAA. Um, if you want to know what the uh, cigars are being released by the TAA, I'll run down them real quick. Um, there's an Asylum 13 and an 1118 size, which is that iconic Figurado size that Christian Aro is known for. There's a Crown Heads Lost Angel 2022 blend, a new blend out of uh, Tobacco Arrow Pachardo. Uh, E.P. Carrillo's got a TAA uh, release. Ferio Tago has a TAA release coming, uh, a Timeless, uh, an offshoot of the Timeless. Uh, Diesel has a cigar called The Temptist coming out. Gurkha's doing something interesting. They have a line called the uh, Collection Especial. They're going to debut later this year. But they're kind of giving the first release to the TAA in the form of a Figurado. So that's pretty interesting that they're doing that. Uh, Illusioni's got a TAA release, the TA2 2022. Hoya de Nicaragua is bringing back the Cuatro Cinco uh, Torpedo they did. It's called the uh, Americana. La Florida Minicana's got two cigars, a Natural and a Maduro, in the uh, 50th anniversary blend they've been using uh, in the form of a 7x64 Salomon. 
Uh, there's a La Polina TAA Kill Bill. It's called the TAX. It's a special, looks like a Figurado size that's coming out with that. Rocky Patel's got a version of the Decade in a Habano wrapper. We mentioned Tatuaje's TAA cigar. And then probably the one that's been, I'm surprised hasn't been talked about a lot. Villager's got a TAA cigar, but they're making it out of Lazona, which is Lazona's first TAA cigar. I'm surprised they haven't talked much about that. So those now, are your, I was just, just going to say who? <laughs> not well, Lazona, who, but not 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 on the Zona part, but I mean, I didn't even know Villager was in the TAA. Dave, this is the third cigar they've done for the TAA. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it's they've been kind of they've been kind of quiet from. I'll tell you something from a media standpoint, they've been more difficult to deal with the past couple of years. So I'm not sure what's going. on. They've always been a company we've gotten media information from. I mean, listen, now I really, now you got to chase it down. Listen, I don't try to be a dick or disrespectful. I just try to be honest. I mean, have they yeah. had a have they had a line that's even caught traction? You know that the Florida and Lincoln a couple of years ago, I caught some fire. Got the Florida Yinklan. Okay. Yeah, that that was um one that Never got a very high rating. It it got it got it got some buzz because it got a high rating in the top ten of aficionado. Um, but it, they've been kind of quiet the last couple of years. I can tell you that. And so, and, and they get and they're making a TA cigar. Yes, and they're making a T. This is the third time they're making one actually. So it's not like the first time they're making one the third time uh, going forward. Yeah, the only thing I remember Villager was like those little box press cigarillos. You used to sell a lot of those. Export A's. And non-Cuban ones. Export A's. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was Villager. Yeah, that was, was the size was called Export A. It came in the yellow boxes. And it was the box pressed in the tissue paper, cut on both ends. Those, those are actually great little smokes. They're little smokes, yeah. No, I agree. I, I think they're still big sellers for them, too. Just Google Villager Export A, bro. Yep. The second time you'll be wrong to me today. No, I don't think so. We still sell Export A's. Wait, I was wrong uh, once already? Yeah, 1988. Okay, well, whatever. You buried it in the back. I could have bet you a dollar and you would have jumped on it. You want to bet me a dollar on Villager? Well, that's the box pressed one. I don't know what box pressed one you're talking about. The export A's is the box pressed one. You want to bet me a dollar? What's the bet? That it's not export A. What do you? What do you? But export A is a box pressed cigar. I don't know what you're talking about. Which one are you talking about? Hey, what do you mean? You said the only cigar you knew from Villager was a box pressed one. Export A's was a box pressed one. I don't know which one you're talking about. So I don't know what the bet is. Export A, is is, box, Export A is a box press cigar that's wrapped in tissue paper and was probably one of the most best selling Villager cigars. You want to bet? Can me I get in on this bet too? Can I get in on this bet too? I'm with Alex. You want to bet, bet me though? Is that signed bill? Oh, Export A is that a Canadian cigarette? I'm that's the Canadian cigarette. It, it was. It's Export is is the Villager. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just Export. Export. Okay, that's why I threw in the A. I caught myself. Hey. You got a picture of it? Put it up. See, yeah, let me let me grab. It. It, yeah, you, you motherfuckers are googling over there. I'm going with. 25, I'm not googling. I'm going your memory. Here's um, my problem. Here's my problem. The way to get Abe into a bet is you got to say I sounded too sure of myself. You have yeah, to sound yeah, a little unsure. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I will bet. Yeah, whatever. I don't yeah, care. You're right. That, that's how you get Abe in a bet. Your exports. Yeah, export yeah. Abe with a Canadian cigarette. It's actually yes. the, yeah, those I think it's technical names of Villager's Classic Export. Those, but... those were, I remember enjoying the heck out of those if I needed something quick because we used to leave them by the register. 
You know, guys would yeah. always grab a couple on the way out, and I would just open one up and smoke it. It was really, it was really a good cigar. While he's pulling up that picture, what else you got going on, Coop? All right. Um, also happening, I mean, this was kind of announced yesterday, um, and I think a lot of the smoking folks know that the uh, the third iteration of the Red Meat Lovers Club cigar uh, is now, I guess, available for pre-order. Um, it is the Beef Stick. That's a really cool-looking cigar as well um, because Steve kind of made it look like an actual, like, beef jerky stick. Like, And it's it's got the flat tap cap and it's uh, the closed foot um, as well. So I know you guys are taking pre-orders on the website right now. And, um, Abe, I mean, I'm not just saying because it's on. That has become, I think, one of the, as far as, like, limited ongoing limited editions that are single store releases that's that's taken a, a life of its own right now i i'm proud to say and i think i could say this is that we probably had two of the most successful single store releases in the history of this industry first one being anarchy um that we did and uh this brand i mean this brand is just uh has developed into a monstrous brand um i think anarchy would have too but it's not it, 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 you know it, was, it didn't develop to be an annual release i think it's dropped Twice in, in uh, twice in, in the one version in Apocalypse once or twice, and then we oh, had the, the, the chaos. I mean, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's it's just not the pre-sale that we're proud of. It's the fashion how we do the pre-sale. By the way, these were the beef sticks that we used for for the uh, for the video when we dropped the beef sticks in on top of all the bundles of cigars. It does yeah, but. Um, it's the deposit system. I really, really like that. And I really think, you know, if we could do this with some of our other uh, regular annual leases, it, it's a lot better. Because, like, we know Pope's coming back this year, and, and, and Drew Estate just made a number, and it's like, you know, I, I know it's going to sell out, and it's going to be be gone, and there's going to be people missing. But when we did it last year, we even tweaked it to make it a little bit easier this year, because last year was the first time we're doing it, you know, to, to say, hey, look, I want the cigar. They only got to put $25 down. When the cigar lands in November, they could pay the balance. It's kept people from having to rush to the site, fight everybody, the website crashing, not being able to get them. And my favorite is that everybody who really wants it had a great opportunity to get it. There's no secondary market on the cigar. There's no one trying to sell it for two or three times the price afterwards because, you know, hundreds of people didn't get a chance to get it. So this has worked out really well. Um, I think we're going to continue with this in the future. And hopefully if we can get some of these manufacturers to work with us, um, get to work on a couple of other things. Cause it's just really nice. Instead of us trying to guess what the demand's going to be, we just open it up for two weeks, let everybody pre-order who, what they want. And then we tell the manufacturer to make X number of, uh, sticks. And it's worked it out, helps great. out it, Yeah. It helps out great for that. I think that was a, a, a smart move too with that. Now I got a question on this. Is this technically a smoke in micro blend at this point? Is it part of the micro well, blend the series, or is it kind of moved out original, of it? The original release was a micro blend, and it will be, but we're not. We don't list the other variations now as micro blends. It's just the whole blend is a micro blend, you know. Right. So, like this isn't the the, the it's not a the, new micro. Right. The meat box pressed wasn't a new installment. The beef sticks not a new installment. But yeah, the original uh, twenty eighteen uh, Red Meat Lovers Club was uh, is, is definitely one of the micro blend installments. So, um, and it's morphing. I think Steve mentioned. Um, at the Red Meat Lovers Club dinner at the Great Smoke is that we're working on to trying to make this a national line. It'll be available in regular production. So you would, you know, it would be distributed through you guys, uh, Smoke In. Maybe. We're still working out the details. 
Okay. We're still working out the details. That's interesting. That'll be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think this that's one that's caught fire. And you want to talk about saturation. You know, there's been a lot of saturation in store exclusives. And to see this one kind of have the, you know, take on the life it has, it has been pretty good. Yeah, it just keeps getting bigger every year. More people love it. You know, you know what I think Steve's done a good job of? He's done a good job of in in these size changes, doing the tweaks. It's just honestly. I know that, it's not like a broken record, but it just seem always seems like the next rendition is my fit. I don't know. It's because it's the one I'm smoking now, and sometimes I don't remember the one. But it just seems to be like the next rendition is my favorite of the renditions. You know? So, Well, for this one, Abe, and we kind of have the same style. I mean, this yeah, is the size. size. The size on this one is kind of in our is in that nice, that 6 by 48 range. Is It's our size, but I love the change from the – the six by uh, fifty four or fifty six, whatever it was, yeah, to the Bronx Toro, Toro, the fifty two. Yeah. I, mean, I love that move. So, um, I think he's done a good job with that. And we're gonna work on something special. Where we'll still have an annual drop around Thanksgiving every year with something special to do with it. But we're still working out the details. But both Steve, I, and Evan are very excited to to just get this out there regularly, so people don't have to wait annually because I think it's it's just got that much legs now. And you've done last two have been like one run for two years, and then you've moved on. Is is that maybe they're going to be the plan with the beef stick to do another run in twenty twenty three? That kind of happened accidentally, um, but I think that might be the pattern. Is if if because we're definitely going to do something special every November, so we might do something, and then that will run two years, and then change it up every November. Right. Right. But um, you know, we we pre we pre we had pre orders for like eighteen hundred bundles last year i mean that's ridiculous there are that's brands a, that there are brands sure, yeah. 1800 units in a whole year yeah you know i mean it's, it's it was just ridiculous so the, we, the taa has trouble selling 500 boxes to their retailers keep right? that in mind i mean the, no the retailers have trouble selling right. those, I can say. so yeah. um I, I i do i think the demand will wane um no because you gotta remember right now i'm the only retailer selling it in the country there are a lot of people who don't follow smoke in who don't follow evan darnell and um, it's going to become available to any retailer who will want to have the opportunity to sell it. So um, I don't think the demand will, will wane. You know, I think it'll just grow as a brand. I think Steve, everybody knows Steve's making good quality products. And the, the, the cigar every year keeps getting more and more popular. So you know, I, it's very hard to say the demand will wane because we're really a microcosm right now. And we're just going to expand it to, to, to a lot more people around the country. Very good. What else got going on, Coop? Uh, so you'll like this one. Diesel Cigars uh, has announced a new trilogy of cigars they're releasing. Uh, the trilogy is called Fool's Errand. The first release is called Stubborn Fool. And you guessed it's going to come out on April Fool's Day. Um, so this is a cigar coming out of A.J. Fernandez Cigars, um, blended by A.J. with Justin Andrews. Um, and what they're going to have in this is going to have a little interactive game where uh, there'll be a tarot card. And I guess you can somehow scan that tarot card and it does something fun, I guess. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of an interesting little uh, figurato they have being released. If, if you look at the I – I should have – you know, Paul's not here. I sent the picture. It, um, it looks like the Espinosa Warhead 6. It's almost the exact same shape and size of it. Um uh, which was also made at AJ Fernandez's factory, so you could kind of put two and two together with that. So uh, I don't know. Diesel loves these trilogies. They were, they were all into the. They did a trilogy on elixirs, and now 
they're doing, I guess, this tarot card thing now, which is going to be the next trilogy. What's the trilogy? It comes out once uh, three series, three. One, three, every once a year for three years. Yes. Well. Yeah, they did. They did that with um, Hair of the Dog and and the Crucible. So there it is. Good job. It's a cool. I mean, that was a fun size to smoke in the Warhead Six by Espinosa. Yeah. So it's a cool size, is what I'll tell folks with it to smoke. Um, and it was also. You can look for that on April Fool's Day. Here's the exports, by the way. There they are. Yeah, There's yeah. that famous yellow box. Yep, yep. Do a good job. Export. All right. Uh, um, next story, last story, actually. Um, uh, our friends at Smoking Tobacco um, are teaming up with the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation for a fundraiser. They did um, this last year, didn't they? They did this last year, um, and they raised seven thousand dollars for. I mean, for Matt, look, Matt's new in his first year to do that. Um, for because it was his one year anniversary show, and he decided to put a charity component on it. And they raised seven thousand dollars for this Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. If you're not familiar with it, I actually just visited them last month. Um, it's a foundation that was founded by the Fuente and Newman families um, in the Dominican Republic, and they provide uh, medical care, education, um, clean water to a very impoverished region. It, it's very, to go see it, it's it's very emotional is what I'll say, because you, you just won't leave, I think, with a dry eye to see the good work that's done. And the Fuentes and Newman fund all the administrative costs. So anything that's going uh, in these fundraisers goes directly to that Cigar Family uh charitable foundation so they're going to be uh doing raffles they're going to be selling raffle tickets and uh there's a lot of manufacturers and various folks that are donating things for the raffle um i actually am going to be donating something myself in there as well um and um they'll be like i said they'll be work they actually got a professional system this year to manage the raffle because last year they did it on their own it was it was it was a lot of work so they kind of work system that manages a raffle um they i don't know it's a third-party raffle system is what they told me it's called rally up it's called rally up is the name of it yeah so they last year they were doing it on the on their website and it was just it was overwhelming for like i said they're still still you know growing and stuff but i mean it would be overwhelming for us so they're using this thing called rally up right now and i guess the uh you could buy the raffle tickets for five dollars a piece um they'll be going on sale monday and running through may 9th and then on the May 10th live edition of the uh, show, um, they will be uh, announcing the winners. So I think last year, because I, I, I think the year I bought a whole bunch of swag from them. Cups. Yeah, they were doing, yeah, I yeah. think last year, they, if you bought the swag, you were entered in. Like, they have swag on the site. And if you bought the swag, you were entered in as well. Okay. I just thought, I thought it was the proceeds from the swag they gave last year. I couldn't remember. What happened is that's how they started it out. Um, I think that's what exactly what they started out doing with that, right? And then they offered the raffle tickets on top of that um, okay. with it. Uh, but, yeah, now it's – I think now they're obviously – the uh, raffle tickets were, um, you know, expanded a lot. And, you know, they had some – like the Fuentes and the Newmans and, and just third-party people were contributing, like, some really good prizes. I mean – this was quality stuff that was was rare stuff, and uh, and it wasn't just Fuente and Newman stuff either. I mean, there were Lafleur contributed stuff, so it was a very um, it, it did very well for them. And like I said, Matt and Nicole, good folks. This they're not making anything on it other than everything they're give they're doing is going right to um, right to uh, CFCF. 
good folks, good charity. Please check it out. Uh, we'll be involved without a doubt. Uh, and if you want more information, please check our friend's site out. It's one of the best yep. ones out there. Uh, the, the, the Cigar hyphen coop. Cigar hyphen coop.com. And hyphen always throws me up. I'm not sure where it goes. See, Paul <laughs> cheats and puts the tagline at the bottom of the screen for me so I can read it. Check him out at cigar hyphen coop.com. Yep. And now it's time. Is this episode two or three now? I'm I'm lost. Two. So installment I'm, two. It's installment two. Installment two. two. Season, installment season four. four. Yeah. Season four, episode two of this year's Tale of Tape. Let's check it out. All right, here we go. Teletape season four coming in at number nine for me is Billy the Goat, Navy mascot. Obviously, I had to get him in there. But truth is, I mean, this guy's got legs to stand on his own. I mean, he's been the Navy mascot for like 100 years. I think they're on their 36th rendition of the goat. So many goats, one mascot. And uh, there's also this cool little thing that goes on every year around the Army-Navy game where uh, the Army attempts to actually steal the goat, which is always interesting. So Billy the Goat coming at number five, obviously, was going to be on my list. Go ahead, Coop. All right. That's a good one. A living uh, a living uh, mascot. Alive, yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine is uh, more of a traditional mascot, but I think it's one that it, I find is a really cool mascot. It's Stuff the Magic Dragon. Not So – Stuff the Magic Dragon is the mascot for the Orlando Magic. Uh, it is based on the uh, Puff the Magic Dragon uh, theme by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, he's kind of like one of those, like, you know, he's one of those classic goofy uh, mascots. But Stuff is really cool, I think, because he has done some incredible acrobatic uh, feats at games. I mean, there's, there's uh, one you could go on YouTube where he climbs up at the top of the ladder and does this, like, incredible backflip. And, and the fans love him. I mean, the fans really – you would look at him and say, this is a mascot people are going to really make fun of. But, no, the fans love him because he's, he's famous for these, these, these acrobatic stunts. And, and I think people put a lot of um, – you know, they really appreciate the effort put in there. So, Stuff the Magic Dragon of the Orlando Magic, number nine. Cool, cool. I like Stuff. Stuff's got a good look. It's got, it's he, got does, a yeah. he's he does. He's almost a little Philly Fanatic-esque. But uh, you know, he's got oh, things coming through his nose. I like Stuff. There's you know a lot of copycatting in mascots. I'll say that. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know what I'm going to realize with this season? What? How many mascots? I have no idea. Oh, out there. There's one for every damn team. I'm in Orlando. Orlando. I never even heard of that guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean stuff. Stuff's one of the more popular ones. Yeah. And yeah. The NBA's got NBA mascots. I don't think get the attention they deserve um, because there's some good ones in the NBA. What sport? What sport do you think the mascots are most popular in? Baseball. Baseball. Yeah, why is that? I was thinking the same thing. They, I think they were the first for the starters, and they played before bigger crowds. And yeah, uh, that and there's a lot of there's a lot of in between in baseball. Every uh, damn switch, so the mascot gets can probably get a lot more play in a baseball game. You know, yeah. switching fields and you know. Yeah, I mean, there's some. You'll see. I have some baseball ones coming up for sure. Uh, and. And some of those like really got national exposure. Yeah. Um. You know, there's some good local ones that we've hit, but uh, you'll see. I think as we go up the list, uh, it's gonna you'll you'll know most of those, Abe. George, who's your favorite mascot of all time? Is it a soccer one? 
Do soccer even have mascots? No, no, we don't have mascots in soccer. I think what's the one out of Philly? Actually, the one in Philly is really good. That was Alex's. Yeah, that's yeah. Alex. Honestly, I think Philly that's the Yeah. And gritty. I mean, Philly's got some great mascots. Philly's I think got, one of the Sixers mascots are dud. I would agree. I would agree. I think the other three teams that? are among them. Some rabbit that. thing. <laughs> I don't. Didn't they have Ben Franklin for a while? I, don't, I thought they had Ben Franklin for a while. They never. Their mascots yeah. never caught on. Ben no. Franklin. They had a Ben Franklin mascot. They like think the, one time. Like Benjamin Franklin him at the games. Yeah, like I mean, Benjamin the, Franklin. The hot is, dog run, right? Don't they? Do uh, the yeah. I know, but as a mascot, I don't know. Uh, the hot dog run is. Uh, they have the four. They have one in Milwaukee and they have one in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. The president's one is the one in in Washington. Yeah. They ripped off the Milwaukee one with that, actually. The sausage run, yeah. Gritty hit a kid. (laughs) Gritty's become, he's a new mascot, actually. And and he's made a big impression early on, yeah. For a hockey mascot, I haven't seen a hockey mascot catch on like that ever. Right. Right. Like I said, if it was. He'd been I, around, he'd be higher on my list. I've been, I've been, yeah, I agree. I can't even remember a hockey mascot. That's what I'm saying. It, you know, um, yeah. Gritty's for the Flyers, I, I think, think he's only about four or five one. years old. Yeah. yeah, I can think of one other hockey mascot. He's on my list, so I'm not going to mention him. No, I won't either. I think I know which one you have. Yeah, well, that's this week's edition of Tail the Tape Mascots. If, uh, if you have any suggestions for future editions of Tail the Tape, PM us at KMA Talk Radio or Put in the comments, and we'll consider them. All right, George. We end. We the last time you were on the show, we used to have a segment called um, uh, "Insane Asylum." That's how we used to end every cave show, KMA show. We started a new segment um, a couple weeks ago, and the segment's called "Would You Rather." And we're going to close this week's episode of KMA asking you, "Would you rather?" Rather brought to you by Gurkha Cigars, and once again, thanks to Juan Lopez for being our model for that intro. There, <laughs> did a very well, very good job. I'm going to ask you three questions, George. And you just got to tell us which you know. I'm going to give you two options and tell us which one you'd rather do. Question number one, George: Would you rather lose your ability to lie or believe everything you were ever told? Huh? To lie? Yeah, me too. I really seldom ever try to avoid at all costs lying. Yeah. yeah. Typically, it's not to hurt someone's feelings, but yeah, I could totally live with losing that. Yeah. Number two, would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great great grandchildren? Go to the future. Yeah, me too. I, I thought about this. Yeah. I want to see what I created. Right? When you left them behind. Yeah. And last question, would you rather know the history of every object you ever touched or be able to talk to animals? Be able to talk to animals. Uh, we all th- I lined up with you on all three of them. Good. What do I care what a fan did for whatever? <laughs> Actually, scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I think talking to animals would be key. 
That would be fun. That would be key. Well, that was this week's edition of Would You Rather brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. What about you, Alex? How would you answer those three? any of those three questions? Uh, pro- well, probably the same. The second one could be iffy. You know, could be a major letdown. But um, going to the future? Yeah, it could be a major letdown. Yeah, I, don't be know, I don't know anybody before my grandfather's. You know, right, I mean, right, I mean, right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'd rather. How about you, Coop? Go to the future, you know, meet your great grandkids, or go in the past and meet your ancestors? You know, my family's—they're all big on storytelling, right? And I think I would—I've heard stories about my great grandfathers and stuff. So I'm a little more inclined to maybe meet those people face to face. Interesting. But 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 I, I kind of get the whole intrigue about seeing what you created too. But, but just because like it's in the nature of my family, we're, we're big on the storytelling of our family history. You know, it's it's interesting, and that's kind of the appeal because um, my family, and especially a lot of um, Italian American families that that came to America, a lot of the culture was lost because we were very persistent in becoming a part of the American culture. Like my, my grandmother wouldn't speak Italian. My father doesn't speak Italian because my grandmother wouldn't speak it in front of him because she wanted him to have the English language to be more Americanized. So a little bit of our cultural history and, you know, who goes back to Italy, I don't know because when they came here, they, they wanted to be more of an American family and, and assimilate to the culture here. I'm, uh, speaking of culture, I'm very excited this summer. I, I, we planned this trip twice and it had to cancel both times, but I'm taking my kids for the first time to the Middle East. Oh, wow. Meet, to go meet their whole side of the family, um, you know, to to learn about my culture, my heritage growing up. And I'm very excited. I haven't been there in 20 years, so it's going to be interesting. On a sad note, you know, you know, we talked about, you know, how, we, you know, at our age, we don't have weddings. Unfortunately, what happens is you start to have funerals. I know this will probably be the last time I'm going to see a lot of my uncles. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's just sad, and I got to prep myself for that part of this trip. You know, I haven't seen him in 20 years, and you know, it's going to be wild. But I can't wait to take my kids there. I'm going to take my daughter Petra to go see Petra. We're going to go to the Dead Sea. I'm going to hop over to Cairo to take them to see the pyramids. So uh, it should be a great summer. Um, and then we come back, and then two days later, I got to hop on a plane and go to the trade show. I'm just excited for you to be gone for five weeks. I know. Don't worry, bro. I <laughs> got week? I got stuff planned. I got automated recordings to call you while I'm gone. <laughs> I got five weeks, Abe. Hey, wow. Gonna get one of those international phones. Yeah, but I mean, listen, we have there's stuff going on in five weeks that I'm yeah. Gonna yeah I know. I'll be connected, but yeah, I definitely won't be around. But yeah, I mean, Coop. Uh, WhatsApp. I downloaded WhatsApp. That'll it's probably a be the way to go. Hour flight. How do you not? You know, I haven't seen these family for twenty years. I yeah, family over no. there. So between. Doing the family thing and seeing everybody, and actually, you know, taking my kids out to see the country and the cool stuff around there. You know, we're taking like two trips while we're there, and then I got a cousin, a first cousin. She's having, she's getting married. So on top of all that, they get to experience an Arab wedding, which is wow. pretty badass. So very excited for that trip. Yeah, you know? no, I, we go. You deserve it, Abe. Uh, very excited. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a trip in the lifetime for me, and especially with my family. You know, last time I was there, God, uh, two thousand. 2002 or 2004 was the last time I'm there. So, yeah, I think it was 2002, 20 years. Yeah, 2002 maybe. Yeah. And, oh. and Abe, you know, your kids are getting older. You know, I, next month, obviously, we're, we're putting closure to my dad with his memorial. And it's the first time I think all of us are going to be 
outside of like a Thanksgiving, like visiting other family in New York. So, um, t- you know, you want to preserve those times because eventually yeah. the kids are going to get older and they're going to do other things. You mean, you mean getting the family together? Getting the family together and going somewhere and going somewhere. Yeah. When my brother got married, when my brother got married, and I, that's that's when I was there. I think it was 2002. It's the last time I went over there because he got married over there. Um, my dad and mom both had nine brothers and sisters, right? Farmers. Wow. Yeah. And um, when we were there for the wedding, I'll never forget because they were all still alive. Um, it was the first time that all 10 siblings were in the same room in 36 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was insane. It was crazy. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. very excited. George, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was always fun to Appreciate see you. It. And we'll, you. We'll, we'll definitely get together. Let's, let's, yeah, let's hook up. I'll text you. Yeah, definitely make that happen. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Coop, thanks for filling in for Paul. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it, as always, your contribution every week. And uh, to everybody out there, we hope you had an entertaining, enjoyable, educational Saturday morning. As always, best way to start your Saturdays. Next week, a man who has not been on the show that much, Willie Herrera. And um, we got some special news we'll be dropping next week with Willie Herrera from Drew Estate. Until then, everybody have a great weekend and keep it lit.